Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Let's head inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and Chris, it's a busy week in college football because there's news that affects college football, but not just college football, I want to say. It affects all of collegiate athletics, and that is this California Pay-to-Play Act. The the idea that players and college athletes can now profit off their likenesses in the state of California, this is monumental. It is, it, but it's it's it was expected. It was just a matter of time, and the, the word down the pike about a month ago was that <laughs> hey, in the two, three, four weeks that this is going to be signed, or in fact, if it wasn't signed, it was still going to get pushed through either way. This is the state of California basically pushing the envelope and putting the ball in the NCAA's court to say, here we go. We're going to sign it here. New York, both North and South Carolina, some other states are involved in writing their own legislation. For example, the state of New York is writing one that says they want 15% of all collegiate revenue to go to student-athletes. And Mm -hmm. so everyone's going to have their different ways to do it. So what does this really mean? You know, oh, my God. Well, you know, the initial thought was, uh, you know, the NCAA and how they react to it and certain people, well, we're not going to schedule those California teams. Well, they're not going to participate. That's just kind of the back and forth. Folks, there's 2023 before they can you know, have a chance to figure it out. But this is the the push that obviously the people that have been behind this, this is the impetus to get the NCAA to come up with some legislation that's going to cover all of college football, all of college athletics. It's not going to be a case where each state is going to incorporate their own rules. That will not work. It will not be something that's going to be able to be worked through in college athletics. So what they're going to do is uh, modify, come up with their own system. But what this does is obviously going to put pressure on the powers that be to do something that they quite frankly didn't want to do what they're going to do, how it's going to look. That's going to be interesting because what this does, it does open the door for how you're going to legislate certain things. Um, well, it only is going to affect certain players. No, that's not true. It's going to be a very big part of recruiting. You want to get a player, you know, schools that have more financial resources, which is they've got a big advantage to begin with. But the big advantage is better facilities. They can wind you down you more, more private planes to go see all sorts of things. Now it's going to be, well, They've got the most boosters. We can sit there and say, 
we'll give you this and that if you come here. So you're well, it's not it's, it's not so much. And I want to I want to specify this. The school cannot provide the prospective student athlete with compensation, but so so it's not going to affect recruiting because in a fact in, in a sense where the school can pay the kid, but it will like you're saying where oh we have this alumni base, we have this boosters, and your opportunity to profit off your likeness by coming here is much greater than if you were to go to a different school. So it's not the school paying the student athlete for their likeness, well, but it's about the potential that they can well, make yeah. more money by being. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying the school was, that's exactly yeah. the point. The booster faction, which is where all this is done. <laughs> I mean, where, where do you, where do you think the, the money that comes from a lot of what you do buyout coaches, contracts, extra yeah. money that comes from the boosters. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen. You want to come here to XYZ school. Here's what we can do for you. And absolutely, we've got this car dealership. We've got this. So, of course, it's going to be done. Of course, it's going to be used in recruiting. Of course, it's going to be instigated by the schools that say, we got this guy. It's basically going to be pay for play and that we can do things for you and we can do more of it. Now, there's also a possibility that, hey, if you want to come to look at me over here, we don't have as much of a budget, but we can pay you, Mr. Great Player, and you can be the star guy on our team, and we can pay you more money. So instead of going somewhere else and be one of a few players that get fifty grand, you can get maybe two hundred fifty here or whatever it is that you. Mm-hmm. This is these are all the things. So, how do you legislate that? How do you control that? Is it is it going to be on the up and up to where you have a likeness, or it's it's basically a way to legalize cheating? I know that's kind of a. Um, <laughs> You know, kind of, it's it, it doesn't make sense because you know legal and cheating are doesn't make any sense. But that's what it is. It's going to be a way that you can take outside money and you can incorporate it into the recruiting process. Players being there, how do you deal with it? So you pay a guy, you give him money up front as you go. How do you think the the booster at Texas is going to feel now? when you throw on top of it, the transfer rules, Oh, he's put money into this kid, recruit the kid after one year, doesn't win the starting job. He leaves and goes to AM. How's that Texas Bush going to like it then? I mean, there, there are a lot of different things that are going to, you've got to get your arms around. Um, this is going to be a disaster in how the whole sport of college athletics are going to be run. If we don't figure out a way to police it and how mm-hmm. do you police it? When you basically said, you know, okay, we're going to let everybody out of the barn. There's no way. It's one thing to police the barn. It's another thing when you let all the horses out of the barn and then you got to follow them and track them. (laughs) That's that is going to be virtually impossible. So, look. I blame the NCAA for not taking a proactive approach to trying to figure things out. And if they don't have their ducks in a row to come up with a plan they're going to get hammered because they're going to get sued and they're, they're going to spend God knows how many millions of dollars in court and they're going to lose their shirt on it. So to me, the key is to be able to have prudent conversation on, on how to make it better. And the reaction has been quite frankly, not what I would suspect, you know, the reaction I thought might be something along the line. I wasn't really anticipating what it would be, but I would have thought, Hey, look, we're looking at things, NCAA that is, we're looking at things. There's some different ideas. 
But this opens up a whole can of worms. We got to figure out a way to make this fair for everyone. Instead of, well, we're just, we're, those, those schools in California are not going to be eligible. We're not going to play them. Well, it, what happens when it's New York and the Carolinas and then 10 other, 12 other states? Well, then all of a sudden you, you're not going to, obviously you're not going to be, you're not going to have a true championship or true bowl scenarios if you begin eliminating schools and states around the country. It's just, it's going to be a farce. And it's something that they've got to get their, again, their, their, their arms around and their hands around. And they need to get a committee together of bright people that can figure out a way to make this work. Uh, let's, let's go down the path of what we need to do because what they are legislating now is going to be tough to fight. And I don't know if it's winnable. I'd let legal minds figure that out, but we are entering a change and how we do things could dramatically affect. I'm of the opinion, and I have been for a while. Well, I think that, that what's what's worth noting, Chris, is that it's going to take – they have time to figure this out because this doesn't go into effect. You mentioned it. It doesn't go into effect next season. This is a couple of years away from happening. 2023. Yes. So they've got time. But, again, it, it, it appears like at this point – their attitude is we're going to fight it and as if they're going to back off. So I think the, the answer needs to be, what can we do to make it some semblance of organization? I think now's the time to create an environment where not only you have more um, organized legislation, more understandable legislation of what you can do, how to maybe clearly increased um, revenue opportunities for players. That, again, is going to come from outside agencies. But this is not all that new. You know, you're a little young. But, my friend, I can remember back in the day when the NCAA ran by Walter Byers. They limited, limited schools to two to three appearances on TV each year. It was one game a week because we cannot allow college football games to be on TV. Because no one's going to attend the games. It's going to affect it. So they legislated. They said, no, we as an NCAA institution will dictate you can only play two games, three games a year. And that's the maximum. And we're going to dictate. And there was one contract with ABC and that was it. Well, Oklahoma and Georgia led the lawsuit to sue and said, no, we can make our own deals. And we will, and it's legally our right. They won. And they're they're formed the College Football Association, which was only a college football association as it related to the basically the Power Five schools, which we call Power Five now, they can make their own television deals. So the SEC did this and that. And it was in conjunction with the start of ESPN. Because prior to that time, you had three networks, Fox didn't exist. And cable was not really something that was bidding on big money contracts, exceptionally, except few exceptions like WR in New York with the Mets and WGN in Chicago with the Cubs, and then later TBS, which is a local with the Braves. But nobody, then all of a sudden, TBS had a college contract at one point, and then ESPN did. Well, now we know we've got the Foxes and we've got all the ESPNs. We all know, obviously, that the college game has changed being on TV. So there's a lot more money. People recognize there's more money. 
we're living in the world of where we want ours. We we're, we're oppressed here as athletes. We need this and you better embrace it or else it's going to come into a very difficult, you know, process. I'm very curious to see, do they dig their heels in fight and put pressure and say, you know, do they, they lobby up and get all the other States to back off? Um, do they put some sort of political pressure to get them to back off? To keep it, I'm sure they're going to make a run at that. If that doesn't work, then they've got to start figuring out, okay, here's what we can do as an NCAA legislation. Because th- I'm telling you, the, the California legislation, they're drop that in five minutes. They're just doing that to force the NCAA to the table. That's all it is. Well, we'll see what happens over the next couple of years before this goes into effect. Uh, let's go around college football, Chris. Another story this week, Rutgers firing head coach Chris Ash. It, it has been a bad couple of years for Rutgers. Uh, frankly, ever since Greg Schiano left, it's been bad. Um, they go to the Big Ten where they clearly cannot compete, but they want a piece of that Big Ten money, and the Big Ten wants the New York network, to, the New York market, to clear the Big Ten network. So it was kind of a win-win for everybody in terms of of a financial relationship. Uh, worth noting that starting next year, the, the the prize does go up for Rutgers. Their their piece of the Big Ten puzzle does increase, but right. it's still going to be a few years away before they get that full membership package. So even though they're going to get a, a, a bunch more million dollars next year, it's not the full price that they're going to get a couple of seasons from now but with money chris comes more improvements to the facilities and and obviously they should be able to recruit a a larger base of players they're not doing a good job of keeping talent in state they're not doing a good job of trying to beat out the penn states of the world in terms of the pennsylvania recruiting and they're not beating out the florida schools and the florida recruiting which is what greg shiano thrived upon when he was the head coach at rutgers I don't see where this is going to get better in the next couple of years for this, this this program, which is clearly overmatched in this conference. And I don't see a change. Where do you see this program going, Chris? And, and really, where do you pinpoint the problems? Well, it can get better. It just it won't be good. It won't be like it was in the Big East days where the competition wasn't as strong. Greg did a good job recruiting in Jersey, um, relatively speaking. I mean, Rutgers has never recruited well in Jersey because Penn State owned it. New Jersey is a really good high school football state. Penn State and other folks have come in and taken guys in the past, but that's been Michigan's been doing real well. Iowa used to do it years and years ago, and Bernie White and build all those teams. Michigan does a good job, so there's there's room for growth. Over the past four or five years, there's been there were 18 guys from the state of New Jersey that rank among the top 300 players in the country. Um, and uh, that 18 Rutgers got two. And so mm-hmm. that's just not enough. And if you look at it, um, the expectation, listen, the sales part and what Pat Hobbs is saying, well, we expect to go to Rose bowl and compete for titles. That's what you have to say from a sales sales standpoint, you don't go in and, and sell pharmaceutical sales and say, yeah, I got this drug. It's really not as good as the guy that's in the lobby, but you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you, you have to come out. You, you're trying to convince the the guy on Wall Street that is a Rutgers grad and maybe likes to go to the game. Get him excited that we can do this. There's no doubt they've done some good things with facilities. Uh, their facilities are not as good as others in the Big Ten, but they can improve upon it. And the financial resources that you allude to, 
is great. You're going from three million a year to close to be where you're going to be thirty million a year. Pretty good, pretty mm-hmm. good. And it allows you to do some things. Now, it, from a competitive standpoint, you know, are you going to be able to beat Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State and Penn State? No, but I'll say this: although they're going to tell you that. You don't need to do that, that. That's what they want to do. You don't have to do that at Rutgers. I think what you need to do at Rutgers, not right away, not next year. I think you can go to bowl games at Rutgers. I think yep. you need to schedule correct. I think you need to, you know, be competitive in the league to a point and go to bowl games. And if you do that, you can have the job for a long time. And if you have that magical year and you have a developmental program and you catch the opposing teams in a year where people are down. Ohio State's hardly ever been down. But if you catch them in a bad year, and Michigan's and Michigan State's down, and they, all of a sudden you might be, you know, is it likely? No. Is it possible? Eh, maybe small. Northwestern went to the Rose Bowl. Okay? It's not impossible to become competitive. And in a magical year, it's not impossible that something couldn't happen, that they couldn't have a nine and three, 10 and two season. If all the stars and the moons and the planets aligned, that it could happen. It's not going to happen on a, on a regular basis. Of course not. But I think getting it to where they can go to bowl games can happen. This yeah, job it, it, it's is Greg Shiano. This job is Greg Shiano's to turn down. Exactly. This has been the plan 100%, 100%. all along. This is part of why he stepped aside. Uh, unless he has a change of heart. He'll be the next. He'll be the new next head coach, mm-hmm. um, and it really comes to that. You mentioned and, recruiting. Well, let me let me let me, let me throw this at you. Have any recruiting history? No, no. The only thing well, they can sell is, hey, it's 150 years anniversary. We had the first game. We yeah. need to go back to building. And Greg was the best at doing that. There are other candidates, but Greg would probably polarize that fan base, which right now is very small, very slim, and is looking for something to hold on to. Well, Chris, let me just – these are the list of players that Greg Schiano can go into a New Jersey high school student's living room and say that he recruited to play at Rutgers. Brian Leonard, Ray Rice, Tyquan Underwood, Jason McCourty, Devin McCourty, Kenny Britt, Anthony Davis, Muhammad Sanu, all NFL talent yes. that he recruited to go to Rutgers. And there's there's other players on that list as well. The Logan Ryan, Dewan Dera- Harmon. Right. You know, just just go down the Patriots roster. They have all of them. Uh, but <laughs> no, seriously, he can go in. He can sell that. He can sell the relationship that he has with Belichick. There's positive signs with Greg Schiano in this program. It's the perfect fit. He's got to go back. He's got to rebuild this program. That's why he was so successful when he was there the first time because he's he was good at building the program. He, in my opinion, was never going to be good taking over at an Ohio State or taking over at Penn State or even at Miami, which was his dream job at one point. But to build a program like Rutgers, to me, Greg Schiano is the perfect fit. And you're right. It's his job to turn down. Well, it, it, it's it's a it's a move that would be understandable for Rutgers. Very rarely does a guy go back a second time and have success. Bill Snyder, eh, okay, no, wasn't quite mm-hmm. the same. John Robinson, okay, not quite the same. Quite frankly, we don't see them go back and have success. I, I don't know that it's going to have the type of success that the Rutgers – I I can tell you that you, you, those players that you mentioned, a lot of them could play and play well in the Big Ten in a tougher league than the Big East was. But 
you know, it's, it's not going to be the same because the circumstances are not the same. And I don't know that Greg is going to be able to duplicate what he did the first time, even just from the standpoint of recruiting as well as he did. We'll see if it does happen. He does take the job and they go in that direction. It, it is correct. You have to recruit well. You also have to develop guys because even recruiting well at Rutgers is not beating out and getting top players in numbers. You're not going to get the best players in the state of Jersey. You're not going to get the majority of them. The mm -hmm. majority of them are going somewhere else. So you have to find the right guys. Hopefully you can convince a couple of guys to come on board. Maybe you find a couple of really good guys that you like and they're close friends with a guy that's a five-star and you can get them to come as a package. And then all of a sudden you, you built baby steps. Can Greg do that as good as he did it the first time? History says it rarely, if ever happens, but maybe it does. For that program, I hope it does. At least if it can bring some juice into the program to where there can be some positives and build around it. Look, there's some opportunities out there. Let's, let's call it like it is. It's not a great job. Okay. I mean, it's an opportunity, but, you know, most of the guys that, you know, they're going to get are going to be coordinator type guys. I mean, I'm sure Lance Leopold would be interested. I'm not sure that Jason Candlewood and some of the other guys, which Jones, I'm sure would be interested, no doubt. But it's not like a lot of folks are going to leave jobs to go to Rutgers. It's, mm -hmm. it is a lower level job in the P5. And so it's going to be a G5 job, you know, guy, the G5 job. And some of those, quite frankly, most of those would probably pass on the Rutgers job and stay at their G5 job for a better one. Now, it's finding the right fit, somebody that has the ties in the state. But some of the guys that hear some of that media they're talking about, it's a joke, wouldn't even consider the Rutgers job. Look, mm -hmm. like Rutgers. Always liked him, like Greg, my background with Belichick, so I got to know Greg. I really was excited what he did the first time. I, I'm all for it. I'm just saying just don't get your hopes up too high if it does play out that way that, hey, Rutgers football is back. That's what's going to be sold. That's what needs to be sold. I get it. But I think just getting it back to where they're not just god-awful bad to where they can be somewhat competitive and maybe, you know, be a little bit more, I don't know, the keep sawing wood, you know, I don't know if that, that chopping. Greg yep. had the same type, same type of energy that he had before. We'll see if it does play out. And I think we're going to see and whether he accepts the job or not, whether he's fully committed. But I do believe that there was a reason why he stepped away um, and, and why he allowed himself an opportunity to take a college job. And there's no doubt, no doubt that this, job was headed towards an opening and we saw it he saw it they saw it this has kind of been in the works not that they plotted it this way not saying that i'm just saying that it was pretty obvious that this was heading that way mm -hmm. and rutgers was not caught off guard by a bad season i think they would have been really surprised that they had a good season this year so i think they're planning you know, was all along to have somebody. And I think the timing, timing's everything. And I think the timing is certainly the case for Greg. If he wants it, uh, they, they, they're the guy they're going to turn to to try to maybe bring us back to some semblance of respectability.
Well, let's stick in the Big Ten, Chris, and react to what we saw a little bit last weekend. Uh, Some teams starting to separate themselves from the pack in terms of the national uh, landscape. Ohio State goes into Lincoln, a primetime game in in which many people thought Nebraska could put up a fight. Ohio State just flexed their muscle, Chris. Way too talented for for Nebraska to handle. And and really an impressive performance nationally televised Saturday night. Ohio State wins very easily over Nebraska. Yeah, listen, this Ohio State team is playing as good as anybody. I know the schedule hasn't been that strong. Nebraska, listen, conference foe. um, Impressive how they played the game, how they're able to attack Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska looked soft. They looked like they were completely outman, didn't have any answers on either side of the line of scrimmage. Ohio State is that good. And as I kind of thought, Nebraska was very much overrated the start of the season. The folks that had them top 10, top 12, I didn't see it. Uh, but I got to tell you, they look worse than I thought. I thought they would be competitive in the West right now. They don't look very good at all. They don't look a whole lot different than Nebraska's looked in the past. They've got their favorite son coaching. And there's another example. Perfect hire, right? Bringing Nebraska football back, right? Long way to go. Only in his second year. But I got to tell you, Scott Frost has got a lot of work to do. And he has got a long way to go to be competitive. Not with Ohio State. I mean, he's got a long way to go, you know, to match up against the Iowas and Wisconsin. They're, they're in a mm. completely different ball game than what Ohio State is. So they, this is, this is, this is going to be a chore. It's going to be a challenge. And, you know, they're going to be patient because he's one of their own. But I got to tell you, defensively, they look soft. How good is this Wisconsin team? You know, uh, Northwestern, I expected Northwestern to put up a fight because Pat Fitzgerald always has a good game plan, especially in these conference games. Did you realize that Northwestern is now 10-0 and against the spread as a conference road underdog? And they've actually won before losing that game against Wisconsin seven straight of those games. So there's something about them being the underdog against these conference opponents that they just come out and play hard and defensively, they have played as good as you could play against Wisconsin, but the Badgers just had a little too much muscle for them on Saturday. Well, Northwestern plays good defensively, and it's hard to get a whole bunch of points. And so I think that there's a betting public perception that it's Northwestern and it's gone up against, you know, fill in the blank school with a bigger football name. And I think people that don't sit there and study it and follow it, Tough to win a decisive margin when they play as well defensively as Northwestern does. Jonathan Taylor's always struggled. You know, they've still got some yards, but they're really sound with their gap fits. For example, if you're going to compare, we just talked about Nebraska. We just talked about Northwestern. Northwestern's very, very sound with their run fits, and they are always in position. They tackle well. Nebraska doesn't look like that. So, you know, I would expect the same game um, would be a much more impressive performance out of Wisconsin offensively against uh, Nebraska, the way Nebraska's defense at least is playing right now versus with the Northwestern. The issue with the Northwestern is they have no offense. They can't score. To answer your question, Wisconsin is good. I don't think they're great. I don't think they have the speed to match up with Ohio State. I think we're going to find that out in a couple of weeks. I don't think they could match up with an Oklahoma. They certainly couldn't match up with a, with an Alabama. I think they're speed deficient 
but not many people in their schedule can exploit that. Ohio State can, and I mm. suspect will. But yep. who else in their schedule week in and week out is going to do it? They are fit to be really effective in the Big Ten West. I was not going to explode on you. You know, Nebraska could, if they play smart, they could move the football. They've got some speed. A healthy Purdue could. They're not healthy, anything but right now. So I think that Wisconsin's really good, a really good fit, and they may be. Although I think Penn State, uh, you know, they may be second-best team in the Big Ten. Um, I, I I think that talent-wise, Penn State's better, uh, and Ohio State's on a different level speed-wise. So Wisconsin's good. They're not good enough to they're, – they're good enough to win the West, not good enough to win the Big Ten. Let's go to the ACC credit Clemson with a big struggle against North Carolina, surviving a late two-point conversion to hold on to the win and remain undefeated. Anything about Clemson's play concern you this season? Yeah, a lot. Offensively, they're just not very good right now. Um, Trevor Lawrence is really getting confused. I thought Jake Bateman, North Carolina defensive coordinator, really confused him a lot. Um, Coverage um, variances are causing him some problems. Hesitation, the offensive line hasn't played all that well the past couple of weeks. After playing well early um, and making some plays against A&M, um, not playing very well at this point. Uh, no, they're, they're, they're getting by, not playing well. They, they don't look like one of the top four teams in the country right now. We know that based upon history, recent history, and the fact that they likely won't lose a game, they'll end up being in there. But right now, if you're ranking the top four or five teams in the country on film, Clemson's not around there. I can tell you, they, they just don't look like it right now. So I think their issues right now, uh, Wake Forest looks better. Wake Forest, I think could line up and beat Clemson the way Clemson's playing right now. I don't expect Clemson to continue to play that way. They're too talented. We see them do it. I think Clemson, you know, for all the success they've had in big games, they're not the best coach team week in and week out in terms of discipline, in terms of assignment sound. They're not. I think some of the motivation, some of the attitude, hey, it's fun, it's lovey, it's little old Clemson, and we're going to go down the slide to have a lot of fun. I, you know what? Maybe it responds in big game moments, but, man, it's a good thing they play in a weak league because um, they got – you know, a two-point play away from going down, and quite frankly, you lose in this ACC this year, you may not make it into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that's something that none of us considered as even a possibility at this point. No. They wouldn't make it. So, look, I, I mean, I just think that right now Clemson's not playing well. I expect them to play a lot better. I think defensively they replace a lot of guys we know. They're still very athletic. They still can run. But offensively, they're not in sync. They're not in rhythm. They're not blocking well, and they're not working the passing game as well as. Uh, and, and people are doing a good job mixing up their coverages against them. And uh, I, I think we're going to see. It. I, I'm going to tell you, and again, we're going to see it later in the year. And I think Clemson is going to be better. But if Wake Forest played Clemson today and Winston Salem, if they were lining up this Saturday, based upon how they played, and it's just on that. Wake Forest, I think, would win the game. Now, there's always that chance that Clemson rises up, plays the best game. So I recognize that. But 
in terms of how clean a game and playing up to their level, right now Wake Forest is doing a much better job and is getting much better quarterback play at this point than Clemson is. That's shocking to me, wow. but that's what the tape says. I don't expect it to last all year long. Of course not. But it is something that is pretty evident watching the film right now. In the SEC, Chris, Auburn uh, beats Mississippi State. Bo Nix, 335 yards passing and two touchdowns. Uh, Auburn making a case that this SEC West might be the might feature three of the best six teams in all of college football. Well, I can tell you right now, and again, that's all I can tell you is right now is we're just turned the calendar to October. Auburn right now looks like the best team in the SEC. They're the most complete team in the SEC. Their offense is starting to come around. They're getting some help back at receiver. They're making plays in the vertical passing game. The offensive line is starting to come off the ball and be really effective in the run game. Bold Nicks is becoming a factor in the run game as well as becoming more and more confident being able to work the Temple offense. And this defense is the best in the SEC. So that combination is really good. Their schedule is still brutal. They go to Gainesville this week. If yep. this team goes 10 and 2, that's like going 12 and 0 and most people. They've got to go to Gainesville and win. They've got to go to Baton Rouge and win. And then they oh still have Georgia and Alabama. I mean, it's almost <laughs> impossible to go through it. But I'm telling you right now, they look like the best team. I'm not projecting them to beat Georgia or Alabama because I do think those two teams are going to be better than they're playing right now when Auburn plays them. But right now, there's no doubt that Auburn is clicking, and I think their offense still has some growth room. And if they do grow, don't rule out the possibility that Auburn, up and down Auburn, this could be a up, up, up year. I mean, this could be something that I am not um, – I would not be surprised if they're unbeaten going into Georgia. I mean, I think they can go to Baton Rouge and win, and I definitely think they'll go into Florida and win. We'll see. I mean, they, they just look – You mean good. undefeated going into the Iron Bowl, not going undefeated, or you, you think they no, could no, beat Alabama and undefeated going to the SEC title game? No, no, they play Georgia in the regular season. They play Georgia before Alabama. I think they could be unbeaten before they play oh, Georgia. Oh, yes. On, they play on Georgia November in the 16th, yes. Yeah, and, and, and so they, they play Georgia. I think there's a, my point I'm saying, I think they can go in and beat Florida and go in and beat LSU. Beat LSU. They're going to beat Arkansas. They're going to beat Ole Miss. They've got, they got the open date um, after Florida, and they got the open date before Georgia. So I think they can – what I'm saying is I think they can beat Florida. I think they can beat LSU. I think they can be unbeaten November 16th, hosting Georgia. Remember, Georgia and Alabama go to Jordan-Hare. Mm -hmm. So, look, I you know, I don't – I'm not predicting at this point. I'm, I'm going to wait to that week to see who's <laughs> healthy and how things are playing. I like them against Florida this week, and I, I can tell you they're more complete than LSU – um, they haven't won in Baton Rouge since 99. Um, but to me, that doesn't matter. I, I think their chances are pretty good. What a special year this could be. Um, we'll see. They are playing awfully well. Georgia, bye week, you know, Alabama still going through some issues um, on the defensive side. I think they're going to be much better. Let's see how much better. 
we can talk about it. And that's what's fun is talking about it now. You never stay the same. So is Auburn going to continue to get better? They do look out. But are they going to level off? Georgia and Alabama are going to get better. I can take that to the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much better? And, what you know, we'll figure that out then. But it's fun. And you're right. Load it there. Because I think LSU is really good offensively. Um, they're a good team. We know Alabama's good. We know Auburn's good. There's no doubt those are three really good teams coming out of the West. But I would rank them right now, Auburn, Alabama, LSU. And if I were ranking wow. the SEC teams, I would go Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. Right now, wow. early wow. October. That's how they're playing. Not how mm-hmm. I project and what the talent level is. Because I think Alabama, I may be surprised, but I bet – by November, Alabama is going to be the best team in the league. I think yeah. they are, but we need to see how that young defense grows up and and who can stay healthiest. Well, well you mentioned it briefly. Let's let that start our pre- our preview of this week's games: uh, Auburn and Florida in Gainesville. So, what does Florida have to do in order to pull this upset at home over an Auburn team which is playing better than them right now? Because okay. it's got to yeah. be it's got to be a clean game. First of all, you know that, especially against this defense, it's got to be a clean game, but. We're seeing here that Kyle Trask has changed that offense a, a little bit for Dan Mullen. They got to pull some rabbits out of their hats if they want to score a bunch of touchdowns against this Auburn team on Saturday. They do. Uh, they do have to play a clean game. They also are going to have to move the pocket. Their offensive line, Florida's offensive line, does not match up at all against Auburn's defensive line. So they're going to have to run a lot of misdirections. They're going to have to move the pocket. They're going to have to... Uh, get plays on the perimeter. They're going to have to spread out this Auburn defense. As tempo, much as too. Can. Go up tempo. Well, I think you can do some of that. Of course, that plays into some of Auburn's favor. Auburn, Auburn's pretty deep. But there's no doubt that to get points, they're going to have to be creative. Now, Dan Mullen is a creative son of a gun now. But <laughs> can he get enough done there? I don't think that Florida's running the football well enough. I think they're going to have to take some chances. I think they're going to have to catch Auburn in some mixed directions, and get an early lead. Get an early lead, that's the problem. On the other hand, if they get behind in the game, Lord help them. Because coming back against this Auburn team, you saw a 21-0 deficit, and I think that Florida's better than Mississippi State. But that just killed Mississippi State's chances of even being competitive in this game. So I think that Florida has to play a near-perfect game. They have to really win the special teams battle. They're going to have to create field position with their special teams and with their defense, and they're going to have to win the turnover battle. They're in Gainesville. They're going to have to really have all things aligned correctly because Auburn is not only better. I think if both teams play their A game, Auburn wins, and then they think Auburn wins by double digits. A big week in the Big Ten, Chris. A couple of top 25 matchups. Uh, Michigan, fresh off their dismantling of Rutgers, kind of a bounce-back game for them. They host Iowa, and the Hawkeyes are hungry, Chris. There's no doubt about it. This has been a really solid Iowa team. Uh, Michigan's got to clean a lot of things up, as we well know. They did some good things against Rutgers. Um, it's a step up here. They're going to have to, you know, play an Iowa team that's going to be more formidable at the line of scrimmage. I, I do think that Iowa's got to get better play opposite AJ Apenza on the defensive line. 
I think the defense is really solid. They're finding a way to run the football effectively, but not great. Listen, I mean, I think this is a winnable game for Michigan, but it's kind of the same thing. If Michigan continues to make mistakes, um, they tend to, you know, do a poor job of leveraging the run. I was going to beat them. I was going to play a cleaner game. Michigan just has to match their cleanliness, if you will. And I think Michigan's got more talent and they could absolutely win this game. So, I, you know, listen, the, the season may be dead in a lot of people's eyes for Michigan, but, you know, I don't think it's completely dead. I mean, I do think that uh, Michigan could still rebound and have a pretty decent year. And uh, this would be a tough loss. It would be a really tough loss because I do think that Wisconsin matches up pretty well against uh, um, Michigan. Iowa similarly can, but they're not quite as powerful as Wisconsin. So it's going to be a little bit of a different look, and we'll see if Michigan learned anything from that game. Can Michigan State slow down the Buckeyes on Saturday night? You know what? I don't know what happened to that defense uh, for, the, for Sporty last week against Indiana. That's any indication. Hell no, they can't. I mean, <laughs> they, I mean my goodness. Uh, and, and Indiana's can move the football, but Ohio State's a different animal. No, I, I don't think so. I think this becomes a the 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 continued coronation of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I love this Ohio State team going into the season. I thought they'd be really good. I thought they'd be one of the best, you know, two three teams in the country. And I thought they clicked, and Ryan Day would be superb uh, with this offense. I thought the defense would be good. Scott, they're better than I thought. Yeah, they're right now maybe as good as any team in the country. Uh, it's about focus. It's about determination. It's about making sure that you don't have the law like you had against Purdue or two years ago against Iowa. Um, that's what they've got to prove. They do that. They'll make the playoffs, maybe even be the one seed. They're on a mission. It, it appears they're on a mission. They're, they're really good. They have a good two-way offense, and the defense is really, really rushing the passer very well. I don't see Michigan State getting anything done offensively. And Michigan State's defense can only do so much, can only attack so much. I think Ohio State, the Buckeyes make a statement here. Gosh, how good is Justin Fields? He's been I mean, great. He's been great. He, he, he passes like Dwayne Haskins, but he runs like Troy, Troy Smith. He's got, the, <laughs> he's got the combination there that they haven't had in years. I'm going to tell you something. He's more athletic than Troy Smith. This guy <laughs> is 4-2-ish. This guy is elite runner, and he's got – really good passing skills. Look, I, I said it before. Ryan Day has a lot of Lincoln Riley in him and his offensive mm-hmm. creativeness. Mm-hmm. And I think they've hit the jackpot much like Oklahoma did. Uh, I, I think the future and the future is now is great for Ohio State. There's a game that a lot of people might be overlooking because uh, it's a Friday night and maybe it doesn't mean so much in, in the national landscape of things. And maybe if UCF was undefeated, there would be a little more juice going into this game. This is probably the most important game in the American Athletic Conference this year, mm-hmm. UCF and Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium. And I don't know if anybody listening here hasn't seen what the field is going to look like on Friday night. I tweeted it out at Scott's on air. Go look at the paint job that they did for Nippert, Nip at night, they call it, at Bearcat Stadium, <laughs> you know, Nippert Stadium, Bearcats. It's a black field, Chris, with the Bearcat eyes. It's going to be ridiculous there. This is a big game in the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, and I don't know how many people have been to Nippert Stadium. It is a really big stadium in a really neat place. And, 
you know, they don't have quite the budget at others, but they, and, and it's old, you know, so kind of, you know, it's, it's a lot tougher and a lot more expensive to keep up these old stadiums and modernize it. And they've done a nice job and, and it ought to be a great atmosphere. Uh, I did hear about it. I haven't seen the, the field and I'm excited to, to see that. And I'm really excited to see, you know, a pretty good Cincinnati team and a central Florida team that obviously got, uh, got beaten in a high scoring game against Pitt. Uh, their hopes of quote unquote, you know, maybe making a, um, a, a, you know, group of six bowl game may not be there, but you know, they certainly need to, to finish things off if they're going to at least continue to be in the national public eye and be ranked. And um, you know, this is a big game for them. Uh, two losses this early would be intriguing. They're just getting started in the, uh, the American. Yeah, and and you're right. Two losses would be devastating mm-hmm. for them because they have such aspirations. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I, I think that's one to watch for. Uh, another team, and I'm going to stick in the American, Chris, that has been very impressive this year, SMU. Yes. Sonny Dykes has done a phenomenal job. Shane Burchell coming from Texas, the Texas transfer, was one of the guys that you and I you know, we, we talked about mm-hmm. before the season transfers to pay attention to. And Shane Bruchelle was one that I pointed out because I thought he was a great fit in this Sonny Dykes offense. Uh, SMU has looked every bit the part of a possible New Year's six threat as the highest ranked group of five team. They keep winning. And all of a sudden we're talking about an SMU team that ha- is going to have a really good record at the end of the year. Yeah, no, listen, and, and they've got a couple of good teams. Memphis is very good, uh, and, and I would love to see if it turns out that way and SMU can do the job in well, the West. Well, how great – how big is that game going to be at Houston? No, oh, that's going to be a really good one as well, but I'm thinking ahead of what SMU-UCF could be in the conference championship game. Oh. That would be an awful lot of fun. No, I, I like this SMU team, obviously – They played well, big win over TCU, and TCU is a really good team. So, no, I think that that can be a little bit of a a statement game. Now, SMU for a long time has been trying to, quote, unquote, get back. This is a really perfect marriage, I think, with Sonny. Uh, Sonny, obviously, his dad, uh, Spike Dykes, was forever at Texas Tech. And Sonny's a good good fit, much better fit at SMU than he was out in uh, Berkeley. You know, guys yeah. who wear cowboy boots, cowboy hats, and good old boy, <laughs> you know, in Berkeley, uh, not so much. Uh, well, let's go to Berkeley, and let's talk about those Cal yes. Bears who are going to take on the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Cal might poise might pose a couple of problems for the Ducks this weekend. No, I think they could. I, I, listen, I think that they're a good defensive team. Uh, obviously lost last week, and Arizona State did, did a really good job against them. This Oregon team, you know, if if they're going to be for real and they're going to make a statement, and we just talked about Auburn's success. Auburn continues to have success. It makes, even though different teams, different times, it makes, you know, Oregon look a little better if they can take care of business. Oregon's got to win this game at home. They're the more explosive team. Uh, they've got to take care of business here. And here's the other thing. Cal's got problems. Gerber's interest, uh, interested, injured at quarterback. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a hampered Cal offense if he's not healthy and playing well. So I, I think this is a great opportunity for Oregon. I still think it's going to come down to Oregon-Washington, one of the more underrated rivalries in all of college football. Those two teams don't like each other. Those two teams are pretty good. Those two teams look like the two best teams in the Pac-12. And those two teams are in the North. So I think <laughs> it's, it's shaping up pretty good there. But for that to hold up, Oregon's got to take care of business. I know Cal beat Washington. 
a little bit different circumstances. And again, without their quarterback, I think Oregon takes care of business here. Any other games stand out to you this weekend? Listen, uh, TCU Iowa State's intriguing. Uh, who's the third best team in the Big 12? Well, I don't know. It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Is it Oklahoma State? Baylor, you know, didn't finish very well against Iowa State. They're a candidate. TCU, Duggan's playing well. Could they be the third team? It's not Iowa State, but maybe they're enough to kind of stay. This is an intriguing game to me. Um, I, I think that um, um, Arizona, Colorado's got some intrigue to me. Um, Northwestern, Nebraska's got some intrigue. I really am looking forward to Pitt Duke. Two physical teams two teams that are playing well. If Pickett can be healthy, they've got top back hurt. Pickett's been hurt, and three of their top defensive front players have been injured. It, 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 we're going to stay tuned to that and see how healthy those guys can come back. If they can, this will be real interesting. Duke is Duke again. Uh, really interesting to see um, and, and really playing well. This is, to me, an intriguing game. So that kind of kind of leads uh, you know me and kind of the – well, we've got some good si- – oh, I'll give you another one that's really interesting to me is Illinois-Minnesota. This mm. Minnesota team still unbeaten. I know they haven't played the tough schedule. They caught Purdue without Sindelar, and Rondell Moore goes down. Still, the Gophers rolling the boat. Um, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, if they can continue this. Is it possible? Is it possible? As I peek into their schedule, they if they are able to win, They've got um, Nebraska next week, then Rutgers and Maryland an open date. Could it be? Could it be five, six? Seven, could they be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? Could they be eight and oh? Could Minnesota be eight and oh in November, hosting Penn State on November that night? Game, is that, that possible? Game is in, and that game's in Minnesota, in Minnesota too. In Minneapolis. Yeah. Could it possible? Nebraska will have something to say about it, but quite frankly, if they're if they're going to be anything, they should beat Illinois. They should beat Rutgers, and I think Maryland is still possibly. By the way, that was what a performance that was last week. Maryland, are you kidding me? I mean, Penn State Friday night closed down campus, schools canceled, a blackout. We're excited. Maryland is right. Fear the turtle. Beat down by Penn State. My goodness, took them behind the woodshed. Put down the. Pulled down the trousers, pulled down the undies, and whacked them in the hiney big time. Man, was that a blowout. Um, so you wonder where Maryland's head is now. And Penn State looks pretty good. So, yeah, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, okay, we can move on. That's that's not much of a, you know, of an excitement. So, um, you know, Arizona, Colorado, not so much. Uh, they've got a few games that are intriguing. And I'm curious to see um, some of the others, whether some teams can make some hay. Well, the fight in Matt Rules could be 6-0 and by the time they head to Stillwater, so we'll see oh, what yeah. Baylor can do. Baylor, Kansas State. I'm sorry. Thank you for mentioning that because that falls into the same category of TCU-Iowa State. That game is one of the more intriguing games in that 2.30 Central Time window. Really good one. I think Baylor's a little bit better, but you know what? They couldn't finish against Iowa State and had to win down the stretch. So I'm with you. I think Baylor, they're in that fight to be the third-best team in the Big 12. Chris, we head to LandryFootball.com this week, and what can we find? 
Oh, man, in addition to all these podcasts, we break down each game's inside the film, tell you what happened, why it happened, so you can go into the Big 12 and and read about what, what I uncovered inside the film looking at Baylor-Iowa State last week and every other game in the Big 12, and then go to the Big 10 column and look at that, and the SEC and the ACC, the Pac-12, you name it. That's what we got for you. That's what we do. We break down the games, review the games inside the film room. We break down the games going into the game inside the film room. So that's what we do for you at LandryFootball.com. The pro game, the college game, take you inside the film room, giving you a different perspective on the game of football. You can got a 50% discount to become involved now. So take advantage of it. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. And, you know, pretty much you got a whole podcast network up there. Every conference covered, Mm -hmm. nationally covered. So it's just a one-stop shop if you head to LandryFootball.com. The Film Room Game Previews are my absolute favorite part of the website because it gives me, and for you betters out there, it gives you a little advantage into what to expect with these games. Uh, Chris breaks it down unlike anybody else over at LandryFootball.com. Be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me on Twitter at ScottsOnAir and subscribe rate and review the college football film room podcast wherever you get your podcasts from we're here each and every week breaking down the college game from a little different angle as opposed to just reading the headlines and talking about uh, some of the biggest things that you hear every day on the national shows and whatnot we're actually bringing you inside the film room and talking about these teams from what we see like chris said Auburn right now, best team in the sec you won't hear anybody on a national show telling you that but right now the way that they're playing Auburn is the best right now. That doesn't mean that's going to be the case when the season is over. So check us out, LandryFootball.com. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. And, Chris, we do it all again next week. Hey, man, can't wait. It gets fun. Week six, could it be week six? Are we really in October? Man, season's flying. Can't wait to break it down with you next week again. And pretty soon, Chris, it's the games in November. (laughs) Oh, the ones we remember. (laughs) We're getting there. Talk to you next week. You bet. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.